Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. I'm so glad to have you along with us today. As we get in the Word of God, talk about it, and allow it to transform our life. And boy, today is an important message. So I hope you'll stick with me to the very end. We're talking about uh, strongholds that the evil one gets in the lives of, uh, in our lives, in our families, in our churches, and in our country. And how do we fight against them? What do we do about them? And, and if we want to do real spiritual battle and see spiritual progress, we can't allow the enemy to have ground in our lives and to prevent that progress. He knows our weaknesses. He's strategic. We need to be as well. We're, we have more power than him in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus has defeated the enemy. But sometimes the stronger combatant doesn't win because the weaker one may be more strategic. And we need to make sure that we utilize the strength and power and tools, weapons of warfare, of spiritual warfare God has given us. This morning, I'd like to talk about the subject of pride because God opposes the proud, it says here. Shall we say that God is opposed to the proud? He gives grace to the humble, and we're told, therefore, to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James 4, verses 6 to 7. God opposes the proud. Oh, my goodness. I would hate to live life being opposed by the Almighty. I want to be on his side. I want his favor in my life. I want his blessing in my life. I want to be surrounded by his goodness and mercy and love. I want his power shown in my life in a good way, not because he's opposing me. I'll bet you do too. And so I want to ask you this question. If you want the power of God in your life and in your family and in your church and in our country, the power of God shown in positive ways, not in his opposition, Question, what, what are the greatest evidences of pride? And I want you to think about that for a moment. And actually, I don't usually read the chat over here, but if you put in the chat some evidences you think of, of pride, and if I'm able to read them both while I'm talking at the same time, I'll, I'll mention some of your evidences here in just a moment. What are some of the evidences of pride? But the, what I think the key evidence might surprise some people. It might surprise you. At the end of as we get through this video, I'll tell you that I think the greatest evidence of pride in my life that I'll confess and acknowledge. But I want to read the story of a man named Nebuchadnezzar. And this is found in Daniel chapter 4, beginning with verse 28. Now, Nebuchadnezzar had been given a vision by God, and Daniel the prophet had interpreted it, and it wasn't a good one. It had a great warning to Nebuchadnezzar. He was about to be judged by God. God told him it was coming. God told him it was coming, and it was a fearful vision. It was a fearful prophecy. It was, it was terrifying to Daniel as he related it to Nebuchadnezzar. And you would think that this warning of judgment would have humbled Nebuchadnezzar and caused him to, to repent of any, any pride that he had in his life or any unrighteousness that he had in his life. But evidently it didn't. 
because what happened, it was about to be fulfilled. While I read this story, I'm going to put up a, uh, a painting by a man named William Blake, lived in the late, 18, late 17, early 1800s, of Nebuchadnezzar. And I'll just read the story while you who are on YouTube here get to look at this picture or this painting of him. Let it sink in and ask yourself, do you want to become like this? And I think the answer would be pretty obvious. You ready? There's Nebuchadnezzar there for those. If you're on the podcast, you can't see it, but you might go to the YouTube and check it out and see. You ready? All this happened at Nebuchadnezzar, the king. Twelve months later, twelve months after this prophecy was made about his coming judgment, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. The king reflected and said, Is this not Babylon the Great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared, sovereignty has been removed from you, and you will be driven away from mankind, and your dwelling place will be with the beast of the field. You will be given grass to eat like cattle, and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. Immediately the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. And he was driven away from mankind and began eating grass like cattle. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Wow, that's, that's terrible. And this picture of it kind of is a frightening picture. But at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accountable to are accounted as nothing. But he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth, and no one can ward off his hand or say to him, What have you done? At that time, my reason returned to me, and my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom. And my counselors and my nobles began seeking me out. So I was reestablished in my sovereignty, and surpassing greatness was added to me. Whew. That's quite a story. It's a true story. Nebuchadnezzar was a great king, my friends. He's a greater king than, than any king we know. He was ruling one of the great kingdoms of the earth, one of the great kingdoms of the ancient world. His power, no one could rise against him. He could do what he wanted. He could have anyone killed. He could have anything he wanted, anyone he wanted. He conquered people. He besieged. He destroyed nations. And yet he was brought low by the Almighty. He was brought low by the Almighty. Look at the, at the end of this time, what he concluded. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are true and his ways just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. That's right. 
He experienced this humility. He is able to humble those who walk in pride. Let's see what some of you might have said. Uh, pride is never, never able to admit fault or wrong, Joel says. Carl says pride breeds strife. Uh, Chrissy writes, uh, uh, or let's see here. Uh, Riella writes, putting yourself higher than God. Paul writes, selfishness. Uh, uh, let's see what else we have. Some of these evidences of pride, certainly. Uh, Joel says, a rejection of the Creator. Uh, uh, Christian, Riella writes, greed and self-exaltation. I think all of these are great examples of what pride is. And I'd like to tell you what I think, and I, it touches on these. You guys have hit, hit it. Uh, but there's two that I want to say that specifically, to me, I think the greatest evidence, I can do it myself. I don't need God's help. This shows up two ways in our lives. If you're a Christian, dare I say with me, I'm a Christian, I think one of the ways pride shows up in my life is prayerlessness. Neglecting to pray about things. Being quick to say, well, I can fix it. I can do it. I can take care of it. I, I've got the answer. I, I can just work harder. I can just work smarter. I can just whatever. But prayerlessness, not taking time to stop and pray. You know, Paul realized, and he wrote in, that everything he had, everything he was, everything he did was from God. It's helped me when I think of 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. All, I am what I am by the grace of God. All that I am is by God's grace. 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as if you didn't receive it? So all that I have, I've received from God. And then John 15, verse 5, where we read, Jesus said, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And so apart from him, I can do nothing. I am nothing. I have nothing. I can do nothing without God. That's humility. And we need to have that belief deep in our soul, remember it, and it should drive us to prayer about things in life. We should be people of prayer. I think one of the great evidences of your humility is whether you receive prayer, whether you pray, whether you look to God for prayer. I've seen some people that, that, that people claim are really proud and self-righteous, you know, they're always thinking about themselves, and yet they're people of prayer or they let other people pray for them, and they value prayer. To me, that's a sign of humility right there. <clears throat> but how about for the non-Christian? The non-Christian who says, I can do it myself. As I've shared here before, I often ask people, if you were to die and stand before God, and God were to say, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? And almost everybody talks about what they've done. I've done this, I've done that, I've tried hard, I never really hurt anybody. I, 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 it's all about myself. And, but, and to, to believe that we could stand before a holy God and claim that we, by ourselves, are worthy of eternal life, that's pride. That's self-righteousness. And that's the worst form of pride. These things are the worst form of pride. Yeah, all pride is bad. And to show pride towards other people is bad, no doubt about it. But I think the worst, biggest, baddest form of pride is to show pride towards God. 
I don't need God. I won't accept prayer. I don't need prayer. I don't need prayer. I've often said in our country, our country has terrible needs. Can you imagine if a president were to say we're facing real problems? I'm calling on the nation to pray about it. Well, he'd be ostracized. He'd be ridiculed. I know President Trump at the beginning of the uh, the pandemic, he called upon the nation, he declared a day of prayer for the pandemic. And what happened? He was ridiculed, he was mocked, he was laughed at, he was rejected, he was ignored. But I believe this is important. Scripture says, when problems come, we must pray. And so whether it's in you, your life as an individual, or a loved one you have, who maybe has a lot of pride, and they don't think they need God, or someone in your family, or maybe in your church. Maybe your church has stopped praying. And as suddenly they, they've kind of said, we've, we've got programs, we've got ideas, we've got plans, we've got marketing, we've got this, we've got that. And prayer has been neglected, or even as a nation, as a nation. I, I confess we recently had the National Day of Prayer, and for I didn't even realize it was, it was there. Maybe I should have. It wasn't until I heard on the radio later in the day the National Day of Prayer. Folks, we need to be people of prayer. We need to be people who acknowledge our great dependence on God. Might we not be like Nebuchadnezzar that says, by my great power, look what I've done. Look at my great kingdom. Look at all my wealth. Look at all my achievements. Look at what I've done. But rather, might we be people who humble ourselves daily and acknowledge our need of God. When you take a meal, acknowledge your need of God. Thank Him for that. When you enjoy the shelter of your home, what we might consider little things that much of the world doesn't have, and we wouldn't have if it were not for the grace, kindness, and mercy of God. Some don't recognize it. Let's make sure we do. Let's pray about this if we could. Father in heaven, we thank you that you give grace to humble people. And Father, this is what we want. We want to be on that side of grace. We want your favor to be upon us. We want your power to be seen in us. We want your mercy to be on us. We need your forgiveness. We need you to your blessing in our lives. And we confess readily that apart from you, we can do nothing. And apart from you, we have nothing. And apart from you, we are nothing. All that we have and do and, and have received, it is your grace in our lives. We acknowledge it and we are grateful. Oh, God, make us people overflowing with gratitude. Make us pe- people who praise the Lord. is isn't just a, a phrase that we, we say mindlessly, but we truly give thanks to you. And make us people of prayer. Lord, we see desperate needs all around us. And it's so easy to just complain about them and wring our hands and be upset about it and let it bother and disturb us. Make us people of prayer. Help us, Lord, to realize that you are the God. You are able to humble the proud. Lord, people in our, in our lives that we, we see pride destroying them, and we see the evil one has a stronghold, thank you, Lord. You are able to humble the proud. And we think, Lord, of people like right now, I believe you're bringing to our mind. They may be loved ones. They may be people in our neighborhood. They may be people in our church. They may be our governmental leaders. They may be people at work or school, and they're proud, and, and, and they're, they're disruptive, and they're damaging lives because of their pride. And I want to thank you, Lord, that just if you, if you could humble Nebuchadnezzar, 
You can humble anybody. And I want to thank you, Lord, that you are able to humble the proud. And we pray for our loved ones. And we pray for people who have authority over us. We pray for people who have charge over us. If there is a foot of pride that has come upon them, that's destroying them and affecting us, our family, our church, our nation, Lord, we ask you to humble them. And we thank you that you're a merciful God. We thank you that you, you won't do more than what is necessary. Oh, Father, it took Nebuchadnezzar seven years of, of living like a wild beast before he humbled himself. Help us to be patient, the people we pray for. Help us to be patient, the people we're asking to work in their lives. Help us to wait patiently for the people we, we, we are, we're trusting you to move, to humble them, and bring them to salvation. Bring them to their senses. Cause their reason to return to them, and they might see what really matters. Lord, it may take seven years. That's a long time. It may take seven years. It may take longer. But we, we thank you. You hear our prayers, and you act on their behalf. So today, we, we humble ourselves, submit to God, and resist the devil. And we pray for those that we care about and who have authority in our lives, that you would bring them to humility as well. Thank you. We bless you, and we love you. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. God answers prayer. This is a mighty weapon we have. Don't think it's insignificant. Don't think we're just talking to the air. We're talking to the Lord God of the universe, the sovereign God who is able to humble Nebuchadnezzar. He's able to humble the proud, and in his mercy, he won't won't be cruel. All of God's judgments are in righteousness, and they spring from his heart of love that he might bring about blessing. Amen? Amen. Hey, thanks for being with me today. If you're new here today, welcome. I hope you'll subscribe to the channel and join with us regularly. If you like the video, subscribe to the channel, share with your friends. These are all things that help our channel grow. And so if you're new or if you're here regularly, I hope you do those things. Give it a thumbs up and uh, tell your friends about it as well. If you're here regularly, you know I love you. I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to have a community of people to share the word with and to pray with because I know God is working among us. So until we meet tomorrow, might the Lord bless you and strengthen you and fill you with grace as we walk in humility before him. Amen. God bless you. I love you and we'll see you then. Bye-bye.